0: you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club, Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each box is built around one to two books of the month that feature strong female characters and or people of color. Their books are selected by a team of teachers, librarians, and parents. I recently received a Little Feminist book club box and my three-year-old and eight-year-old loved it. There were activities, a book to read, stickers, conversation pieces, discussion points. It was wonderful. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast to get started with your Little Feminist Book Club box today. Support also comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at storytelleracademy.com.
1: I think, I think understanding your creative process is a really super important thing for creative people to, to know because, you know, I, I know I can't write at night and if I try, it's disjointed and no good and in the morning I have to fix it anyway. To look, to listen, and to just be in
0: nature. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 477. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, I'm joined by Heidi Stemple, author of Counting Birds, the idea that helped save our feathered friends. This true story of Frank Chapman, the man who founded the first annual Bird Count, pays homage to a simple act of shaking up habits and traditions that resulted in a lasting conservation initiative that continues today, thanks to the help of hundreds of citizen scientists. Heidi is also the co-author, alongside Jane Yolen, Adam Stemple and Jason Stemple of Fly With Me, a celebration of birds through pictures, poems, and stories. Fly With Me is a nonfiction book unlike anything I've ever seen before. Not only are the photos, page after page, stunning, but there are also new original poems included throughout the book. The book has a presence and layout that appeals to curiosity and invites readers to explore its rich content any which way the reader pleases. Two beautiful bird books and an invitation to go owling. Please welcome my guest, Heidi Stemple, author of Counting Birds, the idea that helps save our feathered friends, and co-author of Fly With Me, a celebration of birds through pictures, poems, and stories.
1: My name is Heidi Elisabeth yolen Stempel. That's a mouthful, so you can just call me Heidi. My pronouns are she and her, and I am a second generation children's book author.
0: I am glad that our paths have crossed. I'm glad that I know your book, but more your books, but more importantly I'm glad that I know you, Heidi, because you and your family, but you um, you know how to love really well, and you know how to see people really well. And I feel from just the short time that I've known you already that um, that you see the good in people, and you help other people see the good in themselves. So I appreciate uh, that about you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I think we can end this podcast right now. <laughs> good about myself. Oh wait, oh wait, <laughs> that you write books, and we should <laughs> we should talk about them. <laughs> well, I would like to say uh, that something about what you just said. I really, I believe very truly that helping others in this business, whether it's in teaching or mentoring or just, you know, saying nice things about other people's work is really important.
0: Have you, or did you have that? I know that you, you, your mom is kind of a famous writer, (laughs) but also in the community of writing, when you started to write things that would ultimately be submitted <laughs> and published did you have a community or were you uh like what you're giving back now is it because you're cuz you were taught that coming into this profession
1: well okay so we should probably back up a little bit for huh? anybody who actually doesn't know who i where i come oh, from i'm so presumptuous um, <laughs> i'm sorry I know, right well me too um uh, my mother is author Jane Yolen. We have just celebrated her 365th book this year. So um, I am about to publish my 25th and 26th book in the spring. And in anyone else's family, that's um, a pretty substantial career. But of course, in my family, that makes me a piker. Uh, (laughs) So I grew up in this community. I have never lived one day out of the children's book world. Uh, But I didn't start out writing. I actually started out in law enforcement out of college. I I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, I was a probation parole officer. Um, I've been through the corrections Academy in Miami date and I was a licensed private investigator. Okay. It wasn't until I was pregnant with my daughter who is now 23, Um, almost 24, that I started writing. Um, And I started writing because I couldn't take the job that I was just offered because I was too sick. And I was going back to work um, in victims advocacy. And I had been just hired at a battered women's shelter. So when I first started writing, I was pretty isolated. I was really sick and pregnant. So I didn't You asked the question was, did I have a community of writers helping me along in the beginning? And I really didn't because I was pretty isolated. I was moving around um, because my then husband's job moved us around a lot. And my writing community was my family. And um, a a lot of my writing community is still my family. Both my brothers write and we write together. Um, And, of course, my mom. I joke that my entire life is a critique group.
0: (laughs) Is it? Oh boy! (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like you were destined to write? Is that fair to say? I don't mean to be unfair.
1: Uh, No, no, everything's fair. Um, I don't know. I always knew I was a good writer.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, That being said, when I got into college, I tested out of French and I had to take remedial writing. So, (laughs) so I think I was a lazy writer before. I'm a really hardworking writer now, but I was a little bit lazy about it. And I think like lots of people, I knew that I was a good writer. I was a good report writer, but I didn't know I could write fiction. And you know what, there's part of me that still really loves writing nonfiction because I love the rules. If you can't tell from my background in law enforcement, I love rules and I love parameters. Um, so nonfiction writing sort of speaks to me in that way.
0: That makes sense. And I feel like I end up using those exact same excuses as a librarian. Like, don't you like how nice <laughs> yep. and neat my bulletin boards look? It's because I'm a, libra- a librarian and I need that sort of <laughs> order in my life. So I like that there is a that through line. That makes sense
1: to me. Right? Perfect. Yeah.
0: But that, the what might seem sort of peculiar to go from, law enforcement into writing for children is not so much there's there's a a soul at work there that just wants to express itself in different ways um (laughs) i know also um because i have had a chance to to talk to you and talk to jane and, and know you both um i know that you love nature that you're seated in nature and that you have a respect for Nature And for that wildlife around you. And that's really what brought us to talk tonight are these two books that are centered around birds. I wonder also if that is, if that is something that goes back to, again, that like deep rooted feeling of you always just had that love and draw toward the animals and
1: life around you. Oh, absolutely. I was raised by a poet mother and a birding father. So my father, you probably already know about my dad, um, because he is Pa from Owl Moon. Um, and the little girl in that book, uh, which is my mom's book, Caldecott in 1988, um, is me. And I grew up just like my brothers, um, out in, in the woods, hiking with my dad and always looking for birds, always. Constantly watching the sky. My, We all had binoculars pretty much as soon as we could walk. Um, and my dad took us out into nature and really taught us to look and to listen and to just be in nature. So I grew up in that way. And I I joke a lot that, that our, our passions in my family are birds and books. Um, but this year, 2018 is actually the year of the bird. I don't know if you knew that, but it's the year of the bird. Cornell Lab and National Geographic and Audubon dubbed this the Year of the Bird. So I'm lucky enough to have two books out this year about birds, and they really are the books I always wanted to write. Um, the first one is Fly With Me, which is a National Geographic book. It's 200 pages of amazing bird stuff.
0: It is like, it, it is. startlingly every- beautiful.
1: I know it's, it's so fun as a writer to get that book and see how gorgeous they've made. I mean, every detail is stunning. I think that the art director on this book should win every award in the world. Every detail is amazing. But it was one of these books that they, down to the end pages, they just let, they kept everything we did. We didn't know how long the book was going to be and we just kept writing. Wow. Every time I was I we were going to do conservation, you know, uh, birds that were extinct and birds that we are trying to save or we have saved. So a lot of um, what could you do and what have we done and what can we do more? And every time I found a new bird, I just kind of added it in. And we thought and even the editor said, well, we'll just do what it right. Whatever you want, we'll cut out. You know we'll 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 make cuts in the end and figure what, out what we want what to put. Cuts? And they didn't cut anything. Oh, so they
0: didn't cut anything because you've got b- basic like bird biology in the beginning. You have at one point all of the state birds. You even have a oh, part I two. Know. What what caught my attention? Oh yeah, such a gorgeous photo of the Baltimore Oriole. Can I just point out? Wow, that right? Oriole is gorgeous. Um, the Balt. Clearly, I'm claiming it. The Baltimore Oriole. Um, no, but. Um, I also really enjoyed seeing references to birds in sort of in culture, in plays, in songs. It just that, that we, it speaks to not only, hey, here's a really pretty book about birds and look at these exceptional photographs of these birds, but also you like birds and everyone has kind of liked birds. So let's just enjoy this all together. It feels like... You're just inviting people in, in
1: that way. Yeah. And one of the fun things that they let us do was, so there's this book we started out. It's going to be science. There was going to be some folklore, but it's a lot of science and bird facts. or stuff about bird feeders and stuff. They let us put in poetry in every single section. Oh, yeah. Which was so fun because we're all poets and we we just love to do that. Can I read you a poem? I would absolutely love that. All right, I'm going to do a fun one because I thought it would be fun to do a fun one. So this is one of the poems that I wrote for the book. It's called Bird Party. Um, Invitation sent, the feeders filled, millet stalks and bread's been spilled. The guests arrive without delay, robin's wrens, one noisy jay. In the grass and on the deck, doves mill around while finches peck. The crows attempted party crashing, met with vigilant. Thrashers thrashing. Chit-chit, chit-chit, chickadee-dee-dee. It's a backyard bird cacophony.
0: You hit right at my early bird memories, which is that my grandmother, my Grammy winner on my dad's side, um, I remember just how much, not only that she, her favorite animal was the otter, and I just remember how she... (laughs) Loved otters um, for all these different things. I'm now thinking very fondly of her right now. Um, but I also remember books, photograph books of birds that she had, and also that she taught me. Uh, and I can't remember all of them, but she taught me the birds that say things to you. Uh,
1: that they the say, a, the
0: <laughs> Yeah, and they say, cheery up, <laughs> cheery up. Um, I remember these things. And um, so. I as well as I'm leafing through this book was just brought back to that place of um of fondness and I have to think again who hasn't experienced some sort of fascination or wonder or awe at birds, at bird eggs? Can you I remember when I first saw that blue speckled egg mm-hmm. and being told that's a robin's egg and I just I don't see very many blue speckled eggs. I don't see I mean, how how often do we really see <laughs> bird nests. But I can I, I can tell you what they are, what they look like. There's just a special thing. So when you approached this book, when the four of you were approaching doing this, was it what what did that look like? Was it that you you sort of always <laughs> hoped to work together? Were you like let's making poetry and this and that. And you were on that one rare time you were actually up late at night and all the ideas were gotten, no, no, Heidi, (laughs) tell me what's I have
1: lots of ideas at night. I just can't write at night. So
0: what's the (laughs) genesis of this book in this format? Because it is, it it has a presence. It's a thing, uh, to have poetry alongside the best photos
2: of these birds
0: and just,
1: how, how walk me through the genesis of this book? Well, it isn't the first book that the four of us did together for National Geographic. We have a book called Animal Stories. And we did that for of the the four of us did that together, but that was much more straightforward. It was each of us did stories. They're true animal stories, and then it went together into a whole. Um, but this one we proposed, like, hey, National Geographic how about we do another one? This time we'd like to do it about birds. And we'd like to add in science and folklore and fun facts. And, 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 you know, they took their time, you know, a year and a half and then told us, sure, let's do it. i mean, honestly, that's how, Oh, just considering it. They took out. that time. Yeah. That's okay. how <laughs> committees work. these I'm,
0: days. I'm sure of it. Uh,
1: yeah. But then we just got started and my mom and I, put together sort of an outline, um, and doled out assignments to everybody. And then we just sort of went for it and all, all the pieces came to me and I put them into uh, this template that I create, you know, that my mom and I created of what went where and, and that's how it came together. And when I discover something we needed more of, I send out an email to my brothers and I said, "Ah, Adam, can you write something on bald eagles and and conservation of bald eagles? And Jason, I need, I need a piece on, on how to photograph a bird. And they, they do it. Luckily, my brothers are great writers, even though it's not necessarily their first careers. Uh, Jason is a photographer and Adam is a, is a musician and novelist. So it's really lucky. They're awesome writers. And then, everybody's would come into me and I would just put them together and did a lot of sort of figuring out how it went together. And my mom and I went through the whole thing dozens of times together and voila, it's a book.
0: All so, right. It's
1: way more complicated
0: than well, that. It's but. way more complicated than that. But, <laughs> and, and when you see it, and I mean this as high praise, when you see it, it looks like it's way more complicated than that. It doesn't look like in some nature books, I don't, fault them for this their format works for engaging readers but you know i have a kid that loves science just like i did and there's some books that just follow a uh, beautiful photo of the animal paragraph maybe a little infographic of facts about how big the animal is or where it lives and then next page next animal and we just travel by continent we travel by something like Mm -hmm. that and again there's nothing wrong with a book like that Um, We
1: love that, but we wanted to do even more.
0: That's what I'm saying, (laughs) that it's even more. I wonder, too, um, just knowing um, that Jane does write a poem every day, I know that you also write, how much of this content, uh, specifically the the poems that you did, were ones that you had already that sort of maybe inspired sections of the book, or ones that that you you went at saying, okay, we need to write a poem for this part. Who's going to do it much like you did with your brothers uh, writing about the information about different birds.
1: Um, We started out thinking we were just going to stick in some poems. And my mom actually sent me a whole, you know, 25, 30 bird poems that she had. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And a couple of those made the cut, but really only maybe three of them. Mm. Um, And I started just filling in, in the other sections, um, palms and then we sort of started cutting the ones that she'd done that were too old okay or or too mature that they didn't make as much sense in the book and she would write new ones so i'm not sure how many of the ones that she had already done but my guess is it's only about three wow. maybe even fewer than that there's a and lot like, of original work in here then
0: yeah
1: yeah and then we redid there's one poem we wrote together, and then we redid one of the songs in it. The, yes. um, which was which was super fun to do. Um, the but Mockingbird song. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's all about birds instead of just the one piece of it.
0: I love that. I showed that to Amy. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, just wait, wait till you see this." Amy does an entire <laughs> my wife for those listening, uh, who's a music teacher, does a whole unit on recorder, of um, songbird songs. Huh.
1: When her class sings that song, yeah. you must send us a video.
0: Oh, I, <laughs> I, I will let her know that. Um, I <laughs> so, want to read one of my favorite poems, if you don't mind, from the book, um, that I think will also carry us into your newest picture book, Counting Birds, uh, okay. because it is um, the bird in Audubon's picture. Isn't that beautiful? I okay, love, you read it. I love this poem, okay, thank you for that. The size of the real bird, The color never dimmed by age. It gazes out, but never blinking, staring at you from the page. Even if the nest is gone, or you have never heard it sing, though you are centuries past its past, then this painting's just the thing. The bird lives here upon the paper, though extinctions grabbed its claws, so gaze upon this handsome creature. Here, it's still what once it was. Uh, oh, I love that. Here, that it's lovely. still what once it was. That, that music in that line is beautiful. Heidi, before uh, or in order to take us to mm-hmm. your next book, I'm going to ask, if you don't mind, if you would be willing to read the dedication in this book. <laughs>
1: In Counting Birds. in Actually, first,
0: to carry us over in Fly With Me. Do you have
1: it handy? I do. Hold on. Let me just find the – is it in the beginning or the in the
0: very, very end, 192. Just before, as you're finding it, I should say, just before the end papers, where just like in the beginning uh, of the papers, you've got all of these great phrases about birds. He takes to it like a duck in water. Birds of a feather flock together. (laughs) I loved that part of the design.
1: Isn't that so fun? That is National Geographic. Um, My mom's first part of the um, proposal said, end papers with quotes like these about birds. And, you know, no publisher ever listens to you on that. That's part (laughs) of the proposal. When the first time we saw the F and G's and it showed up with those end papers, I think we cried. (laughs) We we had no idea they were going to really do it until we really saw it. Uh, It was beautiful. That's cool. All right. So I have the dedication. The dedication is for David W. Stemple, Dove, Daddy, Dad, Papa, Pa, who always showed up for the birds and taught us all how to do the same. This book is for you.
0: Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Heidi, you've got this this picture book, Counting Birds, (laughs) the idea that helped save our feathered friends. Illustrated, <laughs> may I point out, very bird-like. I'm so sorry, Clover, that I'm doing this to you. But illustrated by Clover Robin.
1: Come How on. How amazing is that? Come I actually on. No, okay. I don't believe in getting involved in illustration. We like to say <laughs> in our family that no illustrator is standing over our shoulder telling us what to write. So we never stand over the illustrator's shoulder to tell them what to draw. But after all the art was done, I emailed her. I've never met her. She's at Clover, lives in England. And I said, the first thing I need to ask you is, is this your real name? And she assured me, yes, it was her real name. Her parents <laughs> gave it to her. I was <laughs> like, are you kidding? That is so perfect.
0: It's so perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I love the illustrations. Um, it is like a gift when illustrations like this show up on your doorstep. Now she did it's all hand-painted, cut paperwork. It is so stunning. And when you write a nonfiction book, you don't necessarily expect to have something so beautifully gestural and um, really artistic. I mean, I I don't know how else to put it, but when they showed me her art the first time and said, this is who we've chosen to illustrate the book, I was stunned. I was so happy. Just, just, Just absolutely loved it. And Matthew, I have to tell you, this is the book I always wanted to write.
0: I love it, that you it, did. I love it, that you did. Frank it, Chapman's story is one that I had no idea about. I did not know this origin. How <laughs> how long have you known? Is this a story that, I mean, you know about birds. You had a birding father. Is this a story you've known from childhood or that you came to discover later?
1: It is not a childhood um, it's not something I knew from childhood, but you know what? I have been doing the Audubon Christmas bird count for many, many years. I wanted to write a story about the Audubon Christmas bird count. And I tried in a bunch of different ways. I tried in every possible way. I tried nonfic. fiction I tried fiction. I tried from three different points of view. I tried from, I it just, I was failing miserably. This was years of trying to write this book. What I realized was my story about, uh, learning to bird has already been told. Like I had no part in the story that I was trying to tell. And by that time I'd done a bunch of research. And what I found was that the Audubon Christmas Bird Count was started by one man, Frank Chapman, who was kind of a nerdy guy. Um, he had a bird magazine. He worked in the the American Natural History Museum making bird exhibits. He wrote books about birds. I mean, he was a nerdy bird guy love that. Um, But I started reading just the really basic history about the Count, and I thought, oh, that's part of my story. And one day, actually I was at Highlights, still trying to struggle to figure out how to tell this story, I realized but I, did, I wasn't, trying, wasn't really wanting to tell my story. That I'd been told already I wanted to tell Frank's story. And the minute I figured that out, it all fell into place. And I did. I told Frank's story. And I started the book just the way I had been telling kids in schools for years about it, which is simply Frank Chapman loved birds. And as soon as I figured out that that was the first line of the book, it all fell into place. And it's just, it's the story of Frank Chapman. And he had this great idea, one small idea. He wanted the people to stop shooting birds. Because at Christmas Day, uh, before the year 1900, we had something called side hunts. And the, the sports hunters would go out on Christmas Day and they would have this competition. And they counted birds. But the way that they counted birds was to shoot them. So didn't matter. Big birds, little birds, all birds were game to them. And Frank Chapman wanted to stop this. So he said in his magazine, he, gave, he put out an offer. He said, hey, how about if you stop shooting them um, and you go out and count birds just with your ears and your eyes? And if you do that, I will reward you by putting your name and your, your count numbers in my magazine. And on that first count, 27 birders in, 27, in 25 places went out and did that. Um, And that was the first hunt and that uh, the first count. And that was in the year 1900. So here we are 118 years later, and this is still going on. But this is going on in every corner of the United States, in Mexico, and one of the countries in South America, which I can't remember without opening the book. Um, And there are counts like this all over the world today. And the reason why I started this was because I am one of the people who is crazy and gets up at midnight on count day and goes out into the field and calls owls. And I go out with my gang. <laughs> I used to go out with my dad before he died. When he died, I went out with my gang who was quickly in the next about four years after that dubbed, dubbed ourselves the OMG, the Owl Moon Gang. And we go out and we call owls. And on our best night, we called down 67 owls, which was a count record in this, in this, this, their parts. Um, and we're gearing up to go in about a week and a half again.
0: Support for the Children's Book Podcast also comes from the Highlights Foundation, hosting intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. Thinking about writing for children? Or have you always wanted to write a children's book but aren't quite sure how it works? Join us March 21st to 24th, 2019 for Everything You Need to Know About Children's Publishing, A Crash Course. And learn everything there is to know about the children's publishing world, including how the publishing process works, how to know when you're ready to submit a manuscript, how to find which publishers to submit to, how contracts work, the editorial and marketing process, and a whole lot more. And you'll hear from a number of people in the industry who can help to understand the process. Faculty includes Harold Underdown, Leah Henderson, Rachel Werner, Allison green Myers, Lindsay Barrett-George, and me. Yep, I'll be there too. Registration is now open. Visit highlightsfoundation.org. And from Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokémon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokémon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com slash Pokémon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com slash Pokémon. When you call owls, (laughs) how do you know you're getting different ones? Is it because you're at different locations?
1: yeah it's so funny everybody asks that exact same question because cause i've never done yeah right <laughs> i love it i know i love it so i go out with my dad's maps um and mm-hmm. i know approximately how large a territory is and i know the area i'm doing it's in my hometown um in hatfield massachusetts and it's a big big area but we go out and and um well, in a big SUV, because my little Honda would definitely not make the roads that we're on because they're all beat up farm roads out by the river. Um, and we call for the owls. So basically, I use a little iPod that only has owl sounds on it. You should see people laughing at me when they see my iPod. And they're like, what do you listen to? The iPod only but has owl sounds. Only has owl sounds <laughs> Which is hilarious. It's an Uh, owl pod. And I have a little speaker that I hang around my neck, which is even goofier. I am a true bird nerd. Um, And we call. And when we hear an owl, we sort of fan out a little bit in the field wherever we're standing. And when we hear an owl, we point to it. So we're all pointing, we know where it is. We sort of triangulate to where the owl is calling from. And I always say to my gang, I say, let's try and make it two so when we do that we continue calling and we listen and if the owl that we're watching moves we all you know keep pointing to it so we sort of have an idea where it is and what we try and do is call up another owl in the territory in a different place so i'm very i'm a stickler for this we have to hear them at the same time from two different spots and then i know it's two and when we hear two and sometimes we try and make it three because we're greedy on our numbers um we jump in the car and we move out of that territory and into the next territory. So that's how we, that's how we keep ourselves honest. Sometimes because we're working in big fields, we can hear one of the bigger owls like a great horned or a bard in another territory. And then we mark it down that it's there. So when we move to that territory, we don't count it as a separate owl.
0: Okay. How far away could you hear when you're hearing owls? How, like how, how far does the sound travel?
1: sure exactly how far okay. it i mean i can tell you that i can i can hear a large owl not a not a tiny screech owl but i can hear a great horn yeah. the great pond when i'm standing on bation road but that doesn't help anybody who's not who doesn't live here i'm not actually sure how long that is okay. how far that is
0: <laughs> but you're driving i mean it's a big enough territory that you have to drive or big enough yes, area absolutely. that you're looking at that you have to drive yep. um and how many different Kinds of owls are in the area where you are.
1: the The most the, the owls that we call up the most are screech owls. Those are tiny little owls, and they love um, open fields so that they can hunt with with lightly wooded areas so that they can roost um, on water, and that is basically where I live. We're right on the Connecticut River in a farming community that is has lots of good um, tree and brush area, so that's. That's one of our really big uh, owls that we count most of. We also have great horned owls, which if you've read Owl Moon, that's the type of owl that's in there. Those are a very big owl. Um, and we have barred owls, which I like to remind people are not like Shakespeare. It's because they have bars on their feathers. <laughs> uh, so those are the three biggies. We have had a snowy owl in our territory, but since they're diurnal, my the people, the Griffiths. Who take over for us when we go to sleep because we are we're done at 730 in the morning when they take over they saw a snowy owl on one of our territories which was very exciting because that's that's not normal around here
0: the people that take over for you is it that there's a group of people that are just specifically Counting owls for 24 hours for that count day, or is it that?
1: <laughs> well, the owls are mostly asleep when That's the sun comes so, okay. so we we owl from midnight to 7 30. And then when we leave the field, the day birders take over. But does somebody
0: and- come back and like count owl for like, I don't
1: nope, know, 7 30 the- to midnight? No, it's, not just, it's not just owls, it's all birds. Well, yeah, so but I mean, like, they th- count all the day birds. And then, no, we're pretty much done at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And actually we all then get together in our count circle and we have a potluck dinner and we compilate, we do a compilation dinner where we all get to uh, call out the numbers of stuff that we did. So sort of like the side hunts, it's still a competition. I can tell you my biggest competitor is Dan Zomack, and last year for the first time he counted more owls than I am. So we're really on it this year. So there's still a little competition that goes on just for fun, though. And we don't shoot anything.
0: Oh, That's so cool, though. It's just uh, it's just neat. It's an experience that I haven't lived, but it's one that you have lived your whole life. Uh, So I appreciate you giving me and I suppose everyone listening as well, the chance to just,
1: you know, go out there with you. Thanks. It's a really neat thing. And you know what? I have a bunch of children's book people who go with me. Oh, that's cool. Professor Susanna Richards was the first person crazy enough to um, go out with me after my father died. I was going to go by myself because nobody wanted to do it because it's a little bit crazy. And she said, well, I'll go with you. Mm-hmm. And she was freezing and it was sad because I'd just lost my father and she went with me anyway. And she still goes with me. And she actually got me started doing some social media so you can actually follow along on our on my Facebook page or and Twitter if you, if you would like to. Um, and then I have, uh, Steve Swinburne, who is a children's book writer, does a lot of nature writing and he comes along. I have two friends who are photographers, but I have a bunch of kidlet people, which is super fun.
0: That seems Let's... really cool. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm grateful not only do you, that you still feel that, that love, that interest doing it, but now also that you are able to to really commemorate the origin of this whole thing that you've grown to love so much. This man that saw a chance to say, instead of taking out this population that that we do appreciate, why not count them and hope that we can continue to count them for years to come.
1: It's, it's a testament to what one little idea can do. And I, I, I have been for years trying to get more kids involved. If it's not just involved in the count itself, involved in knowing that this sort of thing goes on and what citizen science is. These people who are doing this, I am not a scientist, but the numbers that come in on this help scientists, ornithologists, um, conservationists, help them understand how to better help birds. And i have been wanting kids who love this story. And frankly. Kids who've never been outside on a walk in the woods in second grade read Owl Moon, and it is their first, some kids, it's their first experience of walking out in nature through the pages of this book. So what better way to teach kids more, to allow them to see more of what is possible? Um, and for the first time, our our birding club here and the nature center here have all been thinking they wanted to get Kids more involved in this, and the really neat thing for me is that because of this book, and I went to my my birding club, the Hampshire Bird Club, and I went to the Nature Center, and I said to both of them, I'd really love to see if we could get a kids count going here on Count Day, and our bird club got together with the Nature Center, and they they're working together to do that, and for the first time in my area and i hope that this book gets other people to do this we are holding part of our um, part of our count here with children for 2 hours at at the nature center so uh, books do this i mean yeah. Yeah. that's what that's that is exactly what i wanted this book to do so it's such a nice sort of end end note for the, the, for me, for the year of the bird.
0: I think that, (laughs) I think being in this moment here with you, which I am so grateful to be in this moment here with you, Heidi, I think that the, the best and most natural place for me to go next is to thank you for coming and sharing all of this, your life, your passion for birds and for birding and your community and your stories with us. And if you don't mind, I'd love to take us back to those readers. Would that be okay? Absolutely. We'll end here then. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I would love for you to tell your students that any idea no matter how small, can have a real impact on our world. And Frank Chapman was just one guy, and he had one small idea. Now, 118 years later, that small idea has changed how science collects data, which helps uh, conservationists, ornithologists, and government agencies in so many different ways. No idea is too small to change the world. But there's something else, too. Um, I'd love it if every kid... Not only the kids who live in the country, but those kids who live in urban settings who don't have a backyard behind their house. If they would just go outside and look up, look up from your devices and yes, even from your books, um, look up and uh, see the birds. Know that those special creatures, the descendants of dinosaurs, are a very important part of our world. They need both of our both our appreciation and our protection. That's what I'd like you to tell them.
2: This is Kate Narita, fourth grade teacher and author of the book, 100 Bugs Accounting Book. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the free music archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed.
0: Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast.
1: Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtime's a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumor has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's KOKO Sleep and I'll see you there.